0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Welcome back to the Champagne on Ice podcast here, presented by the Field of 68, Episode 2. I'm Kyle Tosk, joined as always, by Mike Farmer. And it is a very happy episode here because Illinois just knocked off the number one team in the country in an exhibition game over at State Farm Center just a few hours ago as we're recording this. And boy, that was a fun basketball game. I know it was an exhibition, but that had the feel of a high level basketball game between two really good teams it did not feel at all like an exhibition both teams were playing really hard both teams played normal rotations i mean it it felt like a real basketball game and i know we'll uh we'll discuss what it means here coming up shortly on the show We'll also get to some big 10 predictions later on after we break down this kansas game but first and foremost mike how you doing tonight how much did you enjoy watching that that basketball game tonight
2: uh, I'm great, Kyle. Thanks for asking. That was a really fun game. Pretty much everything I was hoping for and a little bit more with that victory on top, of course. Atmosphere was great. Uh, booing Dickinson a little bit. That was really fun. Yes, yeah, sir. The team just looked really good from top to bottom. All around It was just really fun. Great game.
1: Dickinson moves to 0 and 5 against Illinois, which is great. Uh, this one definitely counts on the record. So, in case anyone goes back in 20 years and looks at Hunter Dickinson's record, we are counting this one. I'm making sure that this one officially counts in the Hunter Dickinson versus Illinois record book because he thought he could go to Kansas. Doggy could go to Bill Self and squeak one out here, leave his college career getting one against Illinois. But. Illinois didn't let that happen tonight, and he didn't play particularly well, which we can get into. The way Illinois was defending the post, I thought was pretty encouraging, but uh, let's just talk a little bit about this one. Obviously, you can take the the overall result with a little bit of a grain of salt still. It's an exhibition game. We're not here to say that Illinois is the best team in the country because they beat Kansas in an exhibition, but to get a win. I mean, I didn't expect that. I thought it would be a, a competitive game. I thought we'd learn a lot. I didn't really expect Illinois to be the winning team at the end of it. And they were 82-75. Terrence Shannon Jr., 28 points. I mean, he was he was all American caliber tonight. And I think that's where we need to start in this one. Uh, because he was phenomenal and he just carried Illinois. He got really hot from three. We've seen this a few times here during his Illinois career. He can get on a heater and he can feel it. And from that right wing, he was feeling it. I mean, he found that same spot about five straight times and knocked down shots. And he was aggressive getting to the basket. I mean, 8 of 13 shooting, 5 of 9 from 3, 7 of 10 from the free throw line. That is an all-American caliber basketball player if he plays like that consistently. What did you make of, of Terrence Shannon and just any other overall takeaways from, from this performance?
2: Yeah, I think it's definitely smart to start with Terrence Shannon and his performance tonight. I think if there's one thing we learned or sort of like relearned from last year is that Terrence Shannon is going to have those nights some nights where he just takes over, looks like an All-American. This year, like you said, he might actually be an All-American, which would be would be would be amazing. Excuse me. Uh, But yeah, five for nine from three. He had that little stretch at the end of the first half where he got to that right wing spot. We tweeted about it. Hit that step back over Dickinson, just looked beautiful. He was getting to the hoop too, also went seven for 10 from the free throw line, which was encouraging or decent at least because the rest of the team uh, definitely struggled from the free throw line per usual, which is an issue we'll talk about a bit later. But yeah, Terrence Shannon looked phenomenal. Uh, defense was pretty good too. Uh, shut down. I mean, McCullough had a great game, but Terrence Shannon kind of shut down his matchup for most of the night. And then on offense, of course, uh, 28 points, three rebounds as well. Played a little bit of point guard down the stretch, which, which was encouraging to see because Ty Rogers was, was on the bench for a little bit towards the end of the game. So yeah, just all around great game from Terrence Shannon Jr.
1: I'll cut that out. Uh, yeah. That battle from uh, between him and McCuller uh, was really fun. I mean, they were chirping each other all game. They were both teammates at Texas tech. I mean, we were both there, and we—I'm sure—we could both see they were getting into it, and that was that was fun. And they both had really good games. I think McCuller had 25. Terrence had 28. And yeah, I mean, I for both those guys, both those guys are are really good defensive players. I chalk that up to those guys were just feeling it tonight. And I'm not going to sit here and say, "Oh, Terrence Shannon got cooked." I thought McCuller was just really good. Shannon was really good. It was a high-level matchup between two really good players. Um, but but i do want to hit on something that you mentioned there um a second ago late in the game i thought it was really interesting that that's kind of one of the biggest things that i learned from this one is we got to see this team in a really late game crunch time scenario which i was very curious to see what lineups was brad going to go to is ty rogers going to be out there late he wasn't clearly brad didn't trust his free throw shooting late in the game he ended up going with justin Harmon uh and quincy garrier late in the late in the game so you had fifth year senior fifth year senior fifth year senior fifth year senior fourth year senior that was your five that closed this game a tight game that illinois was trying to hang on to you had a ton of experience out there wasn't all perfect there was a couple times where kansas pressured in the backcourt and illinois was close to turning the ball over Obviously, you'd love to have a point guard in that spot, but I thought that those that those experienced guys made some really good decisions there late. Justin Harmon had a really nice cut to the basket. Coleman found him for a key bucket. Damask handled the ball pretty well. I mean, he was kind of the backup point guard. Marcus Damask was pretty much your backup point guard tonight, which I thought was interesting to see. And then Gary A., who he started in this game, which was a surprise. It switched the lineup up a little bit from that Ottawa exhibition. You go bigger against a bigger Kansas lineup. Gary a plays, he starts, and he finishes, and he was phenomenal in the second half. I mean, he had a stretch there where he scored eight straight points, and he looked like the guy that was at Syracuse as a sophomore and averaged 13 a game in the ACC. So, yeah, obviously Shannon was the story, and he made the biggest plays of the night, And and Coleman we can touch on in a minute I thought played – a phenomenal game as well but that closing lineup i thought was really interesting to see this team all this experience on the court in a late game situation protecting a lead and i thought for the most part it was pretty encouraging even without a point guard on the court
2: yeah i was pretty surprised to see domask actually bringing the ball up a couple times like mid second half and then i was really surprised like uh, mostly after the under eight timeout, Ty Rogers was pretty much on the bench and they turned to Domask to be the point guard, which is not what I was expecting at all. But obviously, like you said, Ty Rogers and free throws are a major concern and it's late game, close game. So Brad's got to adjust to stuff like that. But yeah, Domask uh, playing point guard, I think he had a pretty solid all around game. He got some good buckets, set some uh, offensive rebounds, ran the offense pretty decently. Uh, didn't really turn it over towards the end of the game, which is pretty encouraging to see. And then, yeah, Quincy Garrier, I was I had noted, like, after the first half, I was ready to uh, call him, like, the highlight of the night. I thought he was pretty good uh, getting to the offensive rebounds, grabbing rebounds, hitting the glass. He had a couple buckets. And then the second half, he just turned into a super aggressive player. Like, he got to the line maybe eight or ten times, I want to say, in the second half, uh, put some points up, kept getting rebounds. Uh, he got fouled a bunch, just kept getting to the rim hit that clutch three towards the end. So, yeah, like you said, the experience was really key in this game. Obviously an exhibition, but still really encouraging to see uh, some of the fourth- and fifth-year seniors just doing their thing and uh, managing the game towards the end.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I said on last week's episode that I was curious how much Garrier was actually going to play. Was there a chance that he maybe was going to be the guy that his minutes got eaten into? He he didn't play as much as we thought. But, man, after tonight, I mean – you. You see why you bring a guy like that in and you see why the lineups and, and certain matchups may be very fluid for Brad Underwood because you go into this Kansas matchup and you have Hunter Dickinson playing the five and KJ Adams playing the four who's six seven like 240 really big physical four man i mean we even saw it for a stretches of the game like luke goody that he can't handle that matchup it's nothing against him he just can't handle a bigger four man like that so you counter that with a guy like quincy garrier who's bigger he's more athletic and i thought he was great i thought he was really good defensively and i thought that yeah i mean to, to see the aggressiveness from him on offense which i think was a question mark at times for him in oregon he looked more like that guy at Syracuse who could actually light it up and, and score. And yeah, 10 free throw attempts. He was eight for 10 from the free throw line. There's no reason he shouldn't be at the free throw line often because he's big and he can, he can score in the post, but he can also, we saw him attack from the perimeter um, and, and show some versatility there playing the four next to Coleman, which I thought, yeah, I mean, I was curious what these, these lineups are going to look like. We've seen two different starting and closing lineups so far in the two exhibitions and both, I think in their own ways within their own matchups have been pretty encouraging. And uh, yeah, I'm, I with, I'm with you. I mean, you, you said after the first half, you thought that. And and then the second half, I mean, Gary, I think he was maybe the biggest, I mean, we, we knew uh, Shannon and Hawkins are the two best players in the court, but we know what we're getting from those two guys. I thought the biggest standout performer was Quincy tonight and, and that was pretty interesting to see and and really encouraging because if he can be that type of presence for Illinois, I think that just makes you all the more deeper and allows you to play even more experience late in the game. And the the lineup versatility I think is is really important. But um the, the other thing I do wanna hit on is kind of what we saw from the rotation. I mean, I was curious coming into this game. How real was this rotation gonna look in this game? Are we gonna see 12 to 20 minutes from everybody just trying to throw guys out there tonight? We didn't at all. This looked like a real rotation as if Illinois was playing a game against Kansas in the regular season. You had your starters play big minutes. Terrence Shannon played 34 minutes. Coleman Hawkins played 29 minutes. Um, You had Gary A play 25, Damask played 29. Uh, Rogers played 25. You only had eight minutes from sincere Harris three minutes from Dre gibbs lawhorn uh 10 minutes from luke goody two minutes from moretti two minutes from Hansberry, nine minutes from dane danger which we can talk about a little bit too um but yeah i mean it was brad kind of rode seven guys tonight and that was i, I thought that was very interesting and there's kind of a glimpse that you know once these games get tight once you're playing these high level games this is what this rotation could shorten to. You have a lot of options, and there's, and that's not to say that those guys that played short minutes aren't ever going to contribute this year, but it, this is kind of the – we can see who's in Brad's circle of trust here early on.
2: Yeah, definitely. It was really interesting to see the rotations, especially late game. Uh, probably not a surprise the freshmen, uh, Dre gibbs Lawhorn, and Hansberry, weren't getting any second-half action, any late game action. They'll get their time in early season. He got some, uh, got some bye games early on. They'll get some minutes, of course. But then in terms of Sincere Harris, that was a bit surprising not seeing him too much. He didn't do too much in his minutes, so I don't know if that contributed him contributed to him not playing much in the second half. Uh, and then you got Luke Goody. He kind of had a bit of an off night. It's obviously a tough matchup guarding KJ Adams, who's a, like you said, massive athletic freak. Um, he also... He wasn't playing great, Um, and, of course, Terrence Shannon and Coleman were hitting their threes in the first half, which is kind of Luke's specialty, and Luke wasn't doing that tonight, so not totally shocking to see him on the bench a little bit. And then Dane Danger, I would say Hunter Dickinson's a brutal matchup. He's I'm not a fan of him, but uh, definitely a top five, top three big man in the country, so uh, Dane Danger not having the best offensive night isn't too shocking, not playing too much isn't crazy to me. Coleman also had a great night. Quincy had a great night. So it makes sense to see them guarding Dickinson and being in the game for long stretches towards the end. But yeah, um, not, I mean, not seeing sincere and not much of Moretti, not much of Dre Gibbs, Lawhorn, not really shocking towards the end of the game, but I, I do really think it is interesting that Ty Rogers wasn't in the game towards the end and having Domask especially playing point guard, uh, Instead of somebody like Terrence Shannon, even uh, Justin Harmon was was in the game a lot towards the end, had that nice cut, like you said, got that layup towards the end of the game. So just really interesting to see, especially the backcourt decisions uh, in terms of the rotation tonight and something to keep looking forward to these next uh, couple weeks, couple months.
1: Yeah, the backcourt was definitely interesting. Justin Harmon closed the game um, over Ty Rogers, which I... I thought in the back of my mind, I thought that was a possibility because I, I, I was curious and I mentioned it last week. Can you put Ty Rodgers on the court? I mean, Illinois was up like three with four. I mean, he even came out earlier than that. Like you said, like the last eight minutes, I don't think he played. But yeah, Illinois, is, it's a really close game. It was tied a couple points and Illinois was grasping to a two, three point lead there late. You can't have a 39 percent free throw shooter on the court. And I think that's what we saw that. Yeah, I mean, unless that really improves for Ty, even in games where he's good, I I think it's going to be tough to get him on the court in those crunch time moments just because of that. And that's a really important deficiency that he needs to improve if he wants to be your point guard that's closing games for you. Underwood decided he's going with Justin Harmon, a fifth-year guy, but a guy that's never played a a team like Kansas before. I mean, he comes from Utah Valley, comes from community college, this was as good of an, a test that he's ever seen. And I thought for the most part, he looked pretty good. I mean, he, he made some really key decisions there. The the, the cut was huge. That was just a veteran play. He also attacked the rim uh, a few times, which I thought, you know, he showed some burst. He showed some scoring ability there, which, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily think this is a guy that's going to average nine, 10 points a game off your bench, but if he can give you a little bit of scoring off your bench and he can hit some open shots, I mean, he gave me, he gave me some Andres Felice vibes a little bit tonight where he's just kind of a really tough dude. Who's not going to make a lot of mistakes. He created some extra possessions and a couple offensive rebounds gets to the rim pretty easily. Is not a guy that looks like it per se, but he got to the rim with these a few times. And, and yeah, that cut was just like the typical Andres Felice veteran. I'm, I, you know, I'm just going to make the total right play here uh, in a key moment of the game. So, Maybe that is a guy that could be on the court late, but yeah, you you didn't see much of Dre Gibbs Lawhorn. He played three minutes, turned it over once. You know, he he looked looked like he, he he pulled up and took a tough three at one point in the game. Like, yeah, that's a freshman that's trying to get acclimated. Hansberry at a couple tough moments, um, and Moretti just you know he played two minutes. I don't think he really was involved in much. Missed two free throws. Um, yeah, I mean, those guys are going to have to earn it a little bit, uh, for sure, wasn't totally surprised, I think, when you look through this rotation, those, the, the three freshmen are the guys that, yeah, it, it, if they're not proving it, if they're not coming out and, and giving you something, then they're probably not going to play a whole lot until they do prove that, um, so, uh, yeah, that was, that was uh, of note, for sure, but, um, yeah, the, the backcourt situation, I think, is going to be fluid, and I, I do think that at least to start the season until something is proven at the foul line or something changes, or there's a certain matchup that Brad really likes. Ty Rogers probably isn't going to be that guy in the backcourt late in games. And maybe Justin Harmon proved that he can be that guy, but, um, and and really, like you said, it was Marcus Damask who was playing the, the quote unquote point guard there late, even though they were running things through a lot of different guys. Yeah.
2: Ty Rogers not playing late game kind of hurts the Atlanta, obviously but I do think he played pretty well tonight in his minutes especially the first half he started off really hot he had I want to say six points at the under 16 timeout maybe uh offense looked pretty good going through him I know Terrence Shannon Jr. was doing a lot of, on his own Coleman was hitting a lot of threes but the offense did look pretty solid in the first half uh with Ty Rogers playing point guard most of the time and then uh, the second half, like towards the end of the game, it didn't definitely didn't look bad under Domask. I'm sure he's not going to be playing point guard in extended minutes this year, but uh, that's just another option. You know, if Moretti's not ready, if uh, DGL is having a rough stretch, if Sincere's having a rough stretch, whatever it is, uh, having Domask available at that point guard position is definitely going to be pretty key for the Illini. Just having depth all around is really key, and we saw that tonight. I think we had 12 guys play, like all the scholarship players, obviously. Uh, some only played a few minutes, but that's great to see because you look at Kansas. Uh, I don't think they showed all their cards tonight, really. Uh, they had like some five-star freshmen not even touching the uh, court tonight. But, yeah, having depth in this conference, just a really tough conference, and we got, obviously, three or four really tough non-conference games on the slate, too. Uh, that's going to be really key for Brad Underwood and this team.
1: Yeah, Damask was kind of the the primary ball handler late, but I, I did think they ran a lot through Coleman uh, tonight. I, I think it, we're going to see a ton of that. I think it's clear that we're going to see a lot of offense run through Coleman. Uh, he, In fact, I think he might be your primary creator on this team. We saw a ton of him in the high post again. Um, obviously, we saw that that dime he threw to, to Harmon on the cut. Um, just a big time decision from a guy he put in his hands uh, another broken possession late where he crossed up hunter dickinson hit a step back three over him i mean if he's doing that illinois is gonna be really good and if he's making that step back shot illinois is gonna be a really good team um, but they ran a lot through coleman and coleman was just awesome tonight i mean he was just awesome uh, only four for 11 from the field but he those four makes were all threes um, i thought yeah i mean yeah the, the the three-point shot looked really fluid tonight um it, it looked really good and defensively he was the best who def- was best defender on the court I mean he was causing some problems you saw when he wasn't on the floor the 11 minutes he wasn't on the floor were it was night and day defensively I mean Kansas was getting whatever they wanted at the rim danger didn't have a very good good night defensively in his 10 minutes when Coleman was out there he's just your anchor there he's switching he's switching things but he's also just You know, he's taking up space in the paint. I mean, he was bodying Hunter Dickinson at times. He was contesting Kevin McCullough's attempts to get to the rim. I mean, he's just he's such a defensive anchor of this team. And I thought tonight he was he was great. They ran so much through him. He made a lot of really good decisions. And overall, I mean, that that the one guy we haven't spotlighted here early on in, in the show is Coleman. And I think he's deserving because he, he looked like the Coleman Hawkins that we, we know when he's at his best, he looks like that. He looks like he makes the impact that he made tonight.
2: And he does so much that like, doesn't show up on the stat sheet, doesn't For show sure. up on the box score. If you're like a real Illinois fan, I know Brad Underwood, uh, Brad Underwood says this like every off season, but Coleman really just runs this team. And the difference when he's on the court and off the court it is night and day, like you said. I know there's some like there's some guys on Twitter, there's some analysts that talk about it. But if you watch every Illinois game, you'll know exactly what we're talking about. Like For sure. Coleman missed ten or eleven minutes tonight, and those minutes, there was one stretch I think in the second half where it got really shaky, or maybe it was late first half. I don't know. We had like Harmon on the court, I think Dane and some other guys in the offense just looked like looked like nothing was happening. Uh, and then the defense, of course, it's just so much different. Coleman can guard one through five. Like, he takes the stress off so many other people, like the young guys when they're in. It's just night and day. He's just really underappreciated, and I think he's due for a big year. Uh, probably going to be the second op- uh, second option on offense, which is going to probably increase his stats. Like, another big jump from uh, his sophomore year to his junior year, like he had. I'm sure he'll have another one of those this year. Uh, It's going to be really fun to watch. I think Illinois fans definitely need to appreciate this guy more while we still have him.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, there were two stretches. He came off the court in the first half. Dane Danger came in. Dane Danger was getting abused in the pick and roll. I mean, that's when Digginson yeah. started like one for five with that banked in three. And then he finally got going late in the first half when Coleman was off the court, abusing Danger in the pick and roll. And then in the second half, when Kansas was kind of making their little run there to get back into it, Brad was trying to buy Coleman a breather on the bench Kansas, a couple easy buckets there. I think they evened it up at sixty-eight at that point. Coleman comes back in and Kansas scores seven points the rest of the night. I mean, you just you saw the impact when he was on the court versus off the court. And and offensively, you make a great point there. Like I think a lot of the stagnant possessions came with Coleman off the floor as well because he is a a steadying presence on that end where you run a lot through him through the high post, you put it in his hands, and he's You know, he's grown a lot even towards the end of last year. I mean, there were points early in his career where he was out of control. The decision making was a major question mark for him. At this point in his fourth year, I mean, he's probably the most trusted decision maker with the ball in his hands, Illinois has. And I, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how much Illinois runs through him because so far in the two exhibitions we've seen a ton of it. And he's been great he's looked great in both games and the three point shot for him if he can shoot it like he did tonight Illinois's is going to be fantastic. Now we know how streaky he is from three so i'm not going to read too much into this, I want to see a full season of this type of shooting but. The shot looked great tonight, the pick-and-pop game a couple times. I mean, Ty Rogers found him for another pick-and-pop tonight that looked beautiful. He obviously created one on his own late in the game, which is, you know, it was the no, 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 yes, okay, he made it, you know, right when he's putting that one up. Um, yeah. But he's, yeah, I mean, he if he can shoot it like tonight, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, he's an all-conference first or second-team guy. I mean, that's, that, that I want to see it play out, but that was really encouraging tonight. I do want to mention... I do want to talk briefly about Dane danger who only played 10 minutes tonight on on the flip side of things from the big front. It's yeah. I mean, it's, I I've thought through this a lot during the off season of what is the best version of this team look like. And I, I, I keep finding myself thinking, well, it's Coleman Hawkins playing the five, because I think you have a lot of different options around that. You can run a lot of things through him. You can let him thrive defensively at the five, as opposed to guarding quicker guys at the four, not that he can't do that, but I think you're at your most effective defensively with him at the five. But also I just think you have so many different lineup options with him at the five offensively. You could play the smaller lineup where you completely space it around Ty Rogers with a goody Damask, and Coleman in the game. Quincy I think fits really well next to him as a four man and, and Danger tonight again I, I think I think Dane Danger is still can be a really big time contributor for this team but it just wasn't working for him in his minutes tonight. Brad recognized that. He didn't really let it play out a whole lot. He he treated it like a real game. Dane Danger didn't have it tonight. Kansas was exploiting him pulled him off the floor, played his best five, which included Coleman there at the five. It's something to monitor for sure going through the season because I I think Dane Danger in the right matchup can be really good. But I start to question, especially on a night like tonight where you are facing even even in a matchup where you think maybe this is a a matchup where you're going to need Dane because you're playing an elite big man. I thought they, Kansas exploited that. So it's something for me that I am, am going to be looking for early in the season, especially in that Marquette game. How much is Dane Danger going to play? Because I, I think it does look a lot different with Coleman out there at the five and and Danger, as much as I think he's a good player with a bright future, like it just the fit has not looked great with him out there so far.
2: Yeah, and if you watched every game last year, you'll know this is it's not really anything new. Like, Dane had games where he had 20 and 10. He was the focal point of the offense. Like, the offense was kind of running through him in the low post. And then there were also nights throughout the Big Ten slate where Dane is, like, tonight he's got nine minutes. Maybe he's in foul trouble, stuff like that. And the offense is running through somebody like Coleman or maybe Matt Meyer last year. And so, yeah, I think it's going to be an issue again this year because – I don't think anything has changed with Dane, really. I know he's slimmed down a little bit. Uh, Free throws are still a concern. He hasn't really been able to expand his game, at least uh, in terms of what we've seen already. Like, he's not going to the three-point line or anything. He's not really hitting mid-range jumpers. So when Dane's in, he's kind of clogging up the paint, which is gonna be an issue with uh, if Ty Rogers is point guard, if Sincere Harris is in. So yeah, like you're saying, the road, the path to minutes for Dane, isn't going to be the same every night. It's going to be kind of matchup dependent. We're going to have to see is Dane, maybe is Dane hot early. If he gets in around like the under 16 minute mark, does he get a couple buckets, maybe a block, some rebounds. So it's going to be a night to night thing. I'm pretty sure. So we're just going to have to monitor that. I mean, if Coleman is really hot, like he was tonight, he's hitting threes. He's locking down his matchup like Dickinson. I really don't know if Dane Dane is going to be playing too much. Maybe he comes in as like an offensive spark for a couple minutes. We just try to get a couple buckets through him if the offense is stagnant with Coleman out there. Maybe Coleman needs a breather and Dane comes in, like you're saying. So it's really going to be something to monitor every night, especially early in the season with these great matchups like Marquette, Tennessee, FAU. And as we get into the Big Ten slate, you're playing Purdue early, you're playing MSU, Maryland early. Those are maybe the top three teams. They've all got pretty pretty solid big men. You got Edie, of course. Uh, you got Dante Scott on Maryland still, which is crazy. I don't know how he is still there. Uh, Xavier Booker, the freshman on Michigan State. They've got some a pretty solid rotation of bigs too. So it's definitely going to be something to watch every night.
1: Yeah, I, I for sure. Um, few more takeaways from this one, and then I do want to get to some. Uh, people on Twitter because we tweeted out um, as we will most weeks uh, asking for some thoughts from listeners and we're gonna we're gonna hit on some of those Um, but uh, as a team Illinois 11 of 27 from three 41 percent tonight very encouraging now most of that came from Terrence and Coleman who at nine of the 11 Uh, we know those guys are pretty streaky so I'm not gonna say up the three-point shootings fixed both those guys were shooting it great tonight but uh, only two made threes from the rest of the guys. Um, so I, I want to see, you know, Luke Goody didn't make a three tonight. I think that's not going to happen most nights. Um, you only had Marcus Damask uh, make one tonight. I think he'll make a few a game. Um, so I don't I don't know if I have a grand takeaway from the three-point shooting tonight other than your top two guys were red hot, and that was great. Um, the free throw shooting, though, 21 to 32, 66%. Continues to be an issue. Uh, I, I think, you know, you survived it tonight, but man, let's, this team's just got to figure out how to hit 75% of their free throws. I mean, it's just, it, it is, it is pretty frustrating. Yeah, obviously you had Moretti over for 2, Danger 1 for 4, uh, Rogers 1 for 2. You did have Shannon 7 for 10, Gary A 8 for 10, but man, the free throw shooting I think is going to continue to be a concern as we go through the season um but and that didn't really get fixed tonight but uh but yeah i mean it's overall i think want to see this play out a little bit more for a lot of these things Uh, i i think you know my my grand takeaway from this one is very encouraged that illinois went and knocked off bill self and the number one team in the country shannon and hawkins super encouraged by them super encouraged by the transfers. I'm not going to sit here and say, well, Illinois is a national title contender after this one. I want to see some of these things play out a little bit more.
2: I will say, obviously, this is an exhibition at home. we got a great crowd. Take things with a grain of salt, sort of like the Ottawa uh, exhibition. But, like, in terms of last year, our two marquee wins, UCLA and Texas, both of those games we were down, I want to say, 15-plus, and it took, like, Sort of miraculous comebacks to win those two games. Tonight, did Kansas lead tonight? Like I don't. We kind of controlled that entire game. It feels like I'm that's not a sure. That's really led at any point. That's a really
1: that. good question. um I can't recall. Maybe early. Maybe very, very early in the game. Like maybe early. eight, seven, or something. Know, Just something like players, that. But still, but you're right.
2: Yeah, Illinois controlled that game pretty much from start to finish, which is really encouraging. And also, first half to second half, there were some rough stretches. Like uh, towards the end of the first half, it got a little shaky. Uh, towards the end of the second half, around the eight minute mark, it got a little a little shaky. But just that overall consistency is something to watch this year for sure.
1: Yeah, no, that's a great point. I think. Well, you don't want to read too much into this one. I mean, Illinois looked like the better team for 40 minutes tonight, and, and I think that was, for sure. I mean, this is preseason number one team, and and Illinois looked the controlled the game, like you said. I don't recall a point where Kansas led other than maybe for a few possessions in the first five minutes. I mean, I'm trying to think back to how the beginning of the game went, but from the, you know, the 10 minute mark of the first half on Illinois had leads pretty much throughout and and held on to that. Kansas tied it a couple times late, but Illinois looked like the more experienced, more connected team than the number one team preseason. And, you know, while I do, I, I I don't want to make any grand conclusions in terms of how the season is going to play out from this one game. I think you bring up a great point in that. Yeah, that, that shouldn't be taken lightly. And that's, it's a, really, really encouraging sign and again some of the same things that we talked about last week from the Ottawa game where this just looks like a much more you know. poised experience connected the ball movement was good like it just there are a lot of differences that you can clearly see from early on in last season and even even late in last season, I mean it just. It looks like a team that is fits better together plays well together you don't have certain guys who everyone knows who those certain guys are that are, you know, the ball stoppers that just possessions are going to stop with them. You don't really have that this year. I I do think, while I, there were certain possessions tonight where I thought the ball movement was really good, and I think overall this team has been really encouraging in that aspect, I do think there were times tonight, and, and rightfully so for the most part in terms of like Terrence Shannon and Coleman were playing really well, you let them, you know, Terrence had a couple ISO situations where he just took the ball and went, and I'm, I'm fine with that if he's having the night like he had tonight, but Illinois did only have eight assists on 25 makes tonight, so it wasn't quite as, you know, as pass happy as the ottawa exhibition was and i thought there were some possessions where things stalled out and um and and the point guard concerns you know surfaced a little bit but you know i'm not going to nitpick too much from a game where you beat number one i think overall there's a lot to be encouraged about and um yeah, I mean, it, I'm I'm not gonna blame you if you're really if you're a lot higher on this team after watching that game because at the end of the day, like I said at the beginning, it felt like you know it's one thing if Kansas was playing their 12th stringer for 15 minutes and Bill Self was you know making no adjustments and guys were you know jogging around out there and it was an exhibition and I mean we had guys chirping at each other, we had guys. I mean Kevin McCullough got hurt because Quincy Garrier dove on top of him late in the game. I mean it was it felt like a real game. You had real rotations for both teams. I mean, Kansas's starters all played 25 minutes. Illinois starters all played 25 minutes. So yeah, I mean, it, it, I won't blame me if you want to, if you want to get excited over it, I still want to see a lot of these positive trends play out over the course of the regular season before I get too high on this, on this group, but encouraging stuff for sure.
2: Yeah. I'm just reading through some of the replies to our, uh, takeaways tweet right now yeah let's do it a lot of it is just maturity and like consistency uh, uh, selflessness like experience which is what we've been talking about it's what we saw against Ottawa it's what we kind of expected coming into the season you know you bring in three pretty high level transfers three really experienced transfers and you pair that with Coleman who's a senior Terrence is a super senior at this point it's it's going to be night and day from last year Based on what we've seen so far, which is really encouraging. Just reading some more confidence, poise, team cohesiveness, uh, experienced, unselfish people yeah, are like, noting the poor free throw shooting, which it's going to be a concern. But uh,
1: I don't know. Yeah, let's read. Through, let's read through a couple of these. A
2: fight for the Big Ten title.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, let, let, let's highlight a couple of these individually. Uh, we had. Uh, Drew said unselfishness, less stagnant on offense, more movement, ball not getting stuck. I Yeah, I, I think there were certain possessions where that happened. Again, certain possessions where it was for good reason because the ball got stuck in Terrence Shannon's hands because he was cooking out there at 28 points, and, and they couldn't stop him. So I'm not going to complain when the ball gets stuck on a possession like that. But, yeah, oh, I think just the fluidity of the offense has looked pretty good, and that's, again, without – Illinois is not showing their full arsenal on that end of the floor in two exhibition games. And it still has looked that way, which at times last year when, when they started last year, where the, the, the storyline was like, we're going to play this five out, you know, unstructured offense where guys are just going to make plays and we're going to play positionless. And it was, you know, yeah, you had the, the Texas and UCLA wins, which like you said, you had to come from behind in those games. For the most part, it looked, it didn't look very good. Um, early on in the season this year it, it does and obviously you have more structure uh, with this group but I think it, it has looked a lot better and, and yeah you you mentioned the maturity aspect that's in three of these you had hoodie season says depth and maturity are the two biggest takeaways from that for me uh, Gary says the maturity we have over last year is night and day we have depth I feel three line I have not improved any from last year um, so he's saying only only three I guess is the point there Um, But yeah, Dwayne says confidence, poison, team cohesiveness are all up. The team has the potential to be special. Looking forward to the regular season more than I have been in a while. But yeah, it's it's a common common thread is that even early on in these games, it just it feels different. It feels the cohesiveness, the togetherness the poise of these guys, the fluidity of the offense, it all looks a lot better than what we saw for most of last year. And that's probably the most encouraging thing that I've seen in these two games.
2: One last thing I want to point out before we move on to some big 10 talk. Uh, First game you see Marcus Domas kind of not take over, but kind of the highlight of the game was great on offense. And then today you see, uh, Quincy Garrier kind of take over and played a lot better than we were expecting. And so that's, that's two of the three transfers that are have each had a really good game so far. And you see, you saw last year, like we keep saying this, but last year it was kind of random. Is this guy going to take over tonight? Is this guy going to go 10 for 15 tonight? Or is he going to be terrible and be on the bench? I think there's going to be less of that this year because you have two stars. You've got Coleman, you've got Terrence, but now you have got, just like a group of really solid role players that can be that third option each night. It could be somebody different every night. It could be the same guy a couple of nights in a row, but it's going to be really fun to see. And I think it's going to lead to a lot better team basketball this year.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. That, that's a great point. And, uh, Last comment I'll read to transition us. Anthony, like you said, says this team will give Purdue a fight for the Big Ten title. I do want to do some Big Ten predictions before because we're we're approaching the college basketball season. We're a week away from regular season basketball. Next week, I think we're going to talk more about the regular season. I'm, I'm working on getting us our first guest here on the show to talk some Illini hoops, so I'm not sure if we'll have time for it let's do it in this episode where we both watch a lot of big 10 basketball we both consider ourselves big 10 ball knowers we'll let the listeners decide after hearing our predictions i have a couple bolder ones so we'll see we'll see how people feel um but let's let's go through let's just give some big 10 standings all big 10 teams player of the year i mean unless i think we're pretty obvious choice on that one unless you want to make a bold claim here that terrence shannon's going to win it which i would love if you did i can't quite get there um and and any other maybe we can go through a couple of the other awards and any other maybe miscellaneous predictions we have let's hit on the big 10 let's preview the big 10 a little bit because i think it's important to see what this conference is going to look like this year i'll let you start uh let's start big 10 standings wise we'll go through one through 14 in a second, but just to start things, your big 10, your preseason, big 10 champion, are you going with the defending champs in Purdue or are you going somewhere else?
2: Uh, I'm not going to make a prediction for like a tournament, but regular season I'm going chalk. I'm going Purdue. I am as well.
1: I think Purdue is, it's just, you can't really convince me that a team with Zach Eady on it is going to lose more than five big ten games and I think five gets it the 15 and five gets it done it's just it's a team built for the conference we saw it last year yeah they had a couple losses on the road here and there but it's just overall they're gonna dominate I can't get there with anybody else and and like you said yeah the tournament I think is a different story but yeah I, I'm rocking with Purdue as my champion as well how about two through 14 for you you can kind of go go through it all
2: right. Two through fourteen. I'm kind of torn after the exhibitions today. I, I don't want to put too much stock into it, but yeah. I do still have Michigan State number two. They ended up playing fine. They just they looked look terrible at the start. They were down like twenty to three, I want to say. So I have Michigan State two. Number three, I have Illinois, so I'm pretty much all chalk so far. But number four, I've got a bit of an interesting pick because I'm actually I've been a hater of this team the past few years. But I've got Wisconsin at number four, getting the last hmm. double bye. <laughs> I I like their roster. Like they return. Uh, it's Chucky the first Hepburn, time I've team. ever
1: heard you say <laughs> I like their roster.
2: Yeah, I don't actually like their roster that much, but I think they just they always perform in the Big Ten. Besides yeah. last year, like kind of stunk it up. But yeah, they return Hepburn, Crowell, Asijin, They add AJ Store, who <laughs> I may or may not have him on my All Big Ten first team for some reason.
1: Okay. So so uh, sneak peek. high in
2: Wisconsin this year. Yeah, I feel like every year the Big Ten media, like they go chalk and then every prediction I see is like pretty much the exact same as the media poll. And then the final standings, there's always at least one sleeper team that goes from like eight or nine to double by like top four. And then after Wisconsin, I've got Ohio State. I think they return a lot. They also add some pretty solid freshmen. Uh, They add Jameson Battle from Minnesota, which was a really interesting move over the offseason that didn't really get talked about too much, I feel like. He's a really solid player. Um, Number six, I've got Maryland. They also return a lot. They add some guys as well. They've got Jameer Young, who's preseason first team for the Big Ten. Uh, Dante Scott returns as well, the Illini killer. Number seven, I've got Indiana. Just getting into the middle here, I go Seven Indiana, eight Northwestern, nine Michigan. Just pretty, I think they'll be pretty average teams. Uh, Northwestern's got Boo Booy. Indiana brings in, I'll be honest, I don't know how to say his name, Kalel Ware. I and then they've yep. also got the Taco Bell freshman dude, don't know how to say his last name either. <laughs> McKenzie, I think they'll be pretty M-Baco. mediocre with them. And, B-
1: and, Baco <laughs> um, and Baco Bell,
2: um, and Bell, yeah. I think Indiana and Northwestern will probably sneak in the tournament. And then it gets kind of questionable with Michigan at number nine. So I have like, I would say probably eight Big Ten teams in the tournament this year. And then maybe a couple more depending on Michigan at nine, Iowa at ten. Maybe they get some uh, key non-conference wins. But I think they'll be pretty mediocre in the Big Ten conference. Uh, Eleven, I've got Nebraska, 12 Rutgers. I'm pretty low on Rutgers this year. I think the I think the big Ten media pool had them somewhere in the middle, like eight or nine. I've got them at twelve. I think losing Mulcahy losing McConnell, uh losing some other guys is like really key, and people aren't talking about that enough. like those guys pretty much carried the team for four years with Ron Harper and Geo Baker and other guys like that and then at the bottom, number thirteen, Penn State. They lose pretty much their entire roster from last year. They lose their coach as well. And fourteen Minnesota.
1: Interesting. We we have some disagreements for sure. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean I I don't think there's any, you know, this team everyone's picking twelfth. I have them fourth like that. There's nothing. I don't think you know overall there's a general sense of tears in the conference that i think we're both kind of aligned on i do have things shuffled around a little bit so i'll go through mine obviously purdue first i'm with you that michigan states too i think that's the consensus top two until somebody jumps either one of them i think you got to have those two top two i mean michigan state brings back one of the best backcourts in the country i have some questions about their front court and losing hauser are they really number four in the country i'm not quite sure i'm there but I do think preseason number two in the Big Ten for them. Third, I have Maryland. So I'm higher on Maryland than you. I I just I think this is going to be really good Maryland team. They get Jameer Young back, high level point guard. Julian Reese, I think, has gotten better every year. I think he could be one of the better bigs in the conference this year. Dante Scott is just a veteran that's pretty tough matchup for a lot of teams and then their freshman class is outstanding it's it's really talented with Deshaun harris smith and jamie kaiser two really high level freshmen that i think are going to make big impacts and they get uh, jordan geronimo from indiana as well to fit in that starting lineup i, I i'm really high on them i think young's going to be great and the continuity there i just i think they have the potential to push those top two teams a little bit Fourth, I have Illinois. Uh, I, I do think Illinois is a top four team in this conference preseason, and tonight only reinforces that. And like you said, do I, I, I'm not trying to you know get too high over an exhibition game, but, yeah, maybe, maybe I, I feel a little better about Illinois being in that top three or four after tonight's performance, but I do have them at four. Fifth, I got Ohio State. i high on Ohio State, too. I think Bruce Thornton is going to be the breakout star in the Big Ten. He was awesome down the stretch last year. I think he's going to be a stud this year. Um, They had two other freshmen who came on late last year and Roddy Gale and uh, Felix Akpara. They get battle, like you said. I think that's going to be, I mean, this is a team that missed the tournament last year. I have them fifth. It's, It's pretty bold, but I think you know, I I think they have a much improved roster, and they have such a young core that I think are all going to take significant leaps this year. Um, sixth, Wisconsin. I just couldn't bring myself to have them fourth or fifth. Like I, I I do agree with a lot of what you said. I don't love the every year. It's like I don't love any of their individual pieces very much, but they're gonna be solid like it are just they're inevitable they're gonna ugly some games up they're gonna win 13 to 14 conference games or whatever it is i mean they're just they're inevitable I mean, i've accepted that at this point i know they were down last year but i think the aj store edition and bringing all those guys back who have played together for a while will will be will get them to sixth i just can't bring myself to get bring them to rank them any higher seventh i'm going with iowa which is I just, I feel like it's going to be another Iowa team that's just awesome offensively, horrendous defensively, and at the end of the day, they're seventh in the conference. Like, I think that's kind of your prototypical Iowa team of the last couple of years. There's some question marks on their roster for sure, but I think Perkins is pretty good. They get Creek A as a transfer pretty good. I just, I trust them more than any of these other teams because I think one thing about Fran McCaffrey is he's going to have probably the best offensive team in the conference. So that's, that's a given eighth. I'm going with Michigan. I think I don't love their roster, but I think it's getting a little bit underrated. I think they're more talented than a few of these other teams with McDaniel, with Kamwa coming in from Tennessee, Namari Burnett coming in from Bama. I think it's, it's been a little bit underrated. I'm, both of us i think are on the same page that we don't trust juan howard as a coach at all uh, but even with him there i think it's uh it's a roster that with another coach i'd be a little bit higher on i think it's enough to at least be eighth in the conference and i think they sneak into the tournament ninth i'm going rutgers i think it's yeah i their roster doesn't Jump off the page at me, but it's just, again, it's a track record thing with PyCal teams. Like, they're going to be really good defensively. They're going to play so many ugly games. They're going to win a lot at home because it's a really tough place to play. And at the end of the day, I just, I don't think they're going to be bad enough to be a, a 12th, 13th place team because I just, I think they're going to win enough. With their defense and with their I think they have some guys that could step up and score. Uh they bring in, I'm trying to remember the name of the transfer they brought in from from UMass, um, a guard who I think could be a a contributor for them. And then Amori. Fernandez. It, Fernandez, yep. That's it, that's it. I think he could be a pretty solid player. And then Amori, I think getting him back is gives you at least some type of floor, especially on the defensive end for them, which we know Peikel is uh, a staple of his teams this is the the boldest one for me 10th indiana i i so low on indiana this year i think they're going to miss the tournament i think as talented as some of their individual pieces are the roster fit together is is awful like they i just they have two guards who are capable of playing in the big 10 to me in in johnson and galloway and they have no one behind them johnson's coming off a mitten xavier johnson's coming off a major injury their front court I think, doesn't fit well. Like, you Ware, talented piece, but now you're playing him next to Malik Renew, who's coming back. He can't space the floor at all, so you're clogging things up inside there. I, I don't like that fit very much. Mbako is talented, but he's a reclass guy that I think is going to struggle against some higher-level competition and take some time to adjust. And also, I think they're kind of playing him out of position a little bit with their how many bigs they have. They're going to slide him more to the three, even the two sometimes. I don't think that's where he should play. I just the fit of Indiana, I hate. I, I'm I that's my boldest my boldest prediction in the Big Ten this year. Indiana finishes tenth. And uh and, you know, we have a Indiana podcast on this network too, where if they hear this, they'll probably hate me. But you know, it's just I don't love the fit of this team. I just I I don't. It's one of those classic. I almost I think back to Illinois last year a little bit. Like talented pieces that just the flow is bad, the fit is bad. I just I think they have the potential to be that. Eleventh, I'm going with Northwestern. I think they were kind of a one off last year. Bowie's great, but losing Audige I think is going to hurt them a ton because. He was that second scorer that took a lot of pressure off of Bowie at times, and now I think Bowie's going to be asked to do too much, and the pieces around him just—they don't scare me at all. Twelfth, I'm going Nebraska. Thirteenth, Penn State. Fourteenth, Minnesota. Thoughts? Yeah, pretty
2: similar throughout. A couple, a couple switches up. With you got Iowa and Wisconsin. Uh, you got you're pretty higher. You're higher on Maryland than I am. I don't mind it. I do think Northwestern uh, where do you have them? Eleven, I want to say. Eleven, yep. Eleven, yeah. I I don't mind that honestly. I do think Boo Booey is he might average twenty a game this year, and I think that propels them to a couple more wins than you'd expect. But yeah, I don't mind it overall. I think top two not surprising. Purdue and Michigan State. It, it's it's hard for me to put Illinois over Michigan State. I kind of want to. I. I do this every year. I kind of overrate Illinois a little bit in the preseason. But, I mean, we just – we saw it tonight. They controlled Kansas throughout the whole game. I don't want to put too much stock into it. But I, it's going to be really interesting towards the top of the Big Ten, assuming Purdue is number one. But you got uh, Illinois, Michigan State, Maryland, Ohio State, Wisconsin, whoever else may be up there. Uh, should be really fun as always. The Big Ten always has – usually there's like a clear number one, at least uh, – I looked at the standings recently over the past couple of years with the 20 game schedule and with 14 teams. There's usually a clear number one at like 15, between like 14 and 16 wins. And then uh, two is usually separated by a game. And then like three to six are usually right around 12 wins. And that's always the most fun part. Last year was a bit of an outlier. They had like, I mean, two through nine in the Big Ten were all around like 12 wins, which was absurd. That last day of the season was crazy uh, in terms of Big Ten, Big Ten tournament seating. But yeah, it should be really fun this year. It's not gonna be a surprise if Purdue goes nine and one or 10 and 0 at home and then wins uh, probably six or seven road games as well. I think they'll be clear number one in the Big Ten just because ED is such a dominant force and they get some help from the refs at home, I can't lie. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the rest of the big oh, we time, know we know that's always
1: that can't be ignored ever. The the Purdue Mackey yeah. experiences. yeah, they're they're really good. It's a great atmosphere, and there's a couple other factors, maybe three <laughs> yeah. that are wearing uh, the same okay. colors.
2: <laughs> yeah, three of them that will ignore Zach Eadie uh, punching that Meyer in the face with two minutes left in the game. Oh my goodness, yeah. But yeah, that game last year. <sighs> I'm I with you like though. In the, in the Big Ten, I look at these, yeah, I look at Go these ahead. teams like Purdue and Wisconsin and Iowa, who they bring in like three star talents, which they're less talented in terms of rankings compared to teams like Illinois and Michigan, uh, Indiana, Michigan State. But like you've been saying, these teams with these coaches, like you got Holtman, you got Guard McCaffrey, even Chris Collins, like they just get wins they get uh they get scoring they get wins out of their guys that are like three stars maybe even two stars like lower rated transfers and they just they just always compete and it's the same thing every year in the Big Ten there's going to be a team that maybe steps up like one of those three or four teams is going to step up and they're probably going to finish top five in the conference surprisingly uh maybe a team like Illinois or Michigan who has a ton of talent on paper and a pretty solid coach is going to underperform like It's it's why we play the games. It's why we watch it. It's why it's so fun and it captivates us for like three months every year. So yeah, I'm just really looking forward to it like always.
1: Yeah, I'm sure there's going to be some surprises as usual. Um, I echo pretty much everything you said there. I do think, yeah, preseason you've kind of got a tier one Purdue and Michigan State and then you've got another clump there like three through seven or eight of teams that I think a certain team could jump above the rest uh, another team could disappoint. Like you got Maryland, Illinois, Ohio state, Wisconsin, even, you know, if you believe in Indiana, Michigan, I mean, Northwestern made the tournament. Yeah. There's, there's a ton of teams there that I think are going to have to sort themselves out as usual. And I think it's going to be another competitive year. I do think it's going to be a better overall conference than last year. Last year, I think you could truly say other than Purdue, everyone was mediocre. I think there's going to be, I think Michigan State is going to be a genuinely good team. I think a couple of these other teams are going to be genuinely very good teams. Illinois, I think can be that. Maryland, I think can be that. Ohio State and Wisconsin, I think can be that. So I think it's going to be a better conference, should be fun. Before we get out of here, let's run through some all big 10 selections here, uh, I know we're, we're over an hour already as we as we always seem to be or close to an hour as we always seem to. Uh, on these types of things and, and from my experience working in radio a little bit like you, you say well well, we'll talk for 20 minutes here and then 45 minutes later you're not quite done yet. Um, but we'll relatively quickly here let's roll through some all big 10 picks let's start with the first team, which I think. Maybe a surprise or two could slip in there. I know I have one surprise, but I think at least three or four of these guys should be pretty consensus. Who do you got in the first team?
2: Uh, first team, I went pretty chalk, but I did want to throw a little little surprise pick in there because I don't think it's going to be the same five as the preseason uh, media selected. So I've got Zach Eadie, who I'm going to pick him for player of the year too, obviously. Yep. Uh, Zach Eady, I got Terrence Shannon Jr., Tyson Walker from Michigan State. I think he's he's getting slightly overrated in this preseason, but I do think he'll still be first team All Big Ten pretty easily. And then I've got Jameer Young from Maryland, who's going to be probably around twenty point per game scorer. I think he was sixteen or seventeen points per game last year. And then closing it out at number five, I've got AJ Store from Wisconsin, which is a really surprise a surprising pick for myself. I'm a kind of a Wisconsin hater until this podcast episode, but he was, I mean, he had some phenomenal games at St. John's last year. Um, I think he averaged around 10 points a game. I think maybe he can play a little bit of a Johnny Davis role. I don't think he's going to be shooting like 30 times a game, uh, like Davis did two years ago, but I look I like how he fits on this Wisconsin roster and I've got him on my, uh, first team.
1: Yeah, that's definitely a bold one. Uh, yeah, you've, uh, I've never heard you as high on Wisconsin in my life as this show so we'll see uh, we'll see how long that lasts when they get there, win that you i mean they play like three top 15 teams early i think they play tennessee they play arizona they play another team like once they beat one of those teams in a 58 to 56 game annoyingly we'll go right back to being like oh this team's so fraudulent we can't let this stand anymore but for now we'll uh yeah. we'll allow the hype on them uh, i got the f- same top four as you uh Edie, shannon young and, Walker. and Similar to you, I got a bit of a surprise as my fifth one. I'm going Bruce Thornton from Ohio State. I have them fifth in the conference. He was averaged 11 points a game as a freshman last year, looked awesome down the stretch of last season. I think this is kind of going to be his team this year at, at point guard. I think it's going to be a much improved Ohio State team, and he just – really impressed me I think he's kind of that break you always mm-hmm. have a couple of these breakout guys that kind of come I don't want to say he's going to come out of nowhere if he's good because I think people realize he's a very talented player capable of doing this but you always have a couple of those guys on these on one of the either the first or second team that kind of pop up there that people weren't really expecting preseason that's my pick for that I think Thornton is I'm really high on what he can be I think he can shoot it he, I think he's He's going to be improved as a playmaker with a little bit more better fit around him in terms of pieces. And I I just was so impressed with what he did at the end of last season. I'm, I'm sliding him into the first team. Uh, I'll go first on the second team then, and then I'll throw it to you. Um, because we both had a common um, omission from the first team that was on the preseason poll first team pretty consensus. And that's Boo Booey from Northwestern. I mean, I have the, them finishing 11th in the conference, which is really why I don't have him first team. I think he's going to put up really good numbers. He's on a team where there's not a whole lot else around him in terms of go-to scoring. I think he'll be at 17, 18 point a game score this year, maybe with the potential to be more. But at the end of the day, I just think I have them finishing 11th. I think they're going to take a step back as a team. And so with that, I think he's going to fall to the second team. Uh, Then I have A.J. Hogard from Michigan State um, on the second team as well. I think – him and, him and Walker are going to be great on Michigan State. Even if you if you don't fully buy in on Michigan State, I think you have to buy in on the fact that their backcourt's going to be fantastic. And I'm going Hogard. I have AJ Store on my second team, which I thought was even a little bit of a surprise, but you went a step further and put him on your first team, so I don't feel quite as bad for this pick. I think he is going to be Wisconsin's best player and a pretty good Wisconsin team. Um, so I'm going with him there. I've got Olivier Kamwa of Michigan on my second team. I think he's he he's in a spot there with Michigan where he can really take on more of a scoring load and put up some you know better counting stats than he did at Tennessee. I think he's he's kind of one of the more underrated transfer additions in the conference, and so I have him on my second team as well. And then Cliff Amore of Rutgers. I think I, I don't necessarily think it's going to be a great team, but he's just such a known commodity in terms of he's going to be in the defensive player of the year contention in the conference all defensive team guy and i think steve peichel is going to run a lot more through him offensively in terms of really putting him in pick and rolls and getting him lobs and really i think he has a chance to average you know 14 and nine and two blocks this year and i think that'll be plenty to get him on the second team
2: yeah i like those picks but we actually we have pretty different second teams We've got boo -Boo in common. Uh, We both left him off the first team. But I I do think however many points he scores, 17, 18 a game, that's enough to get him second team for sure. Uh, Clear leader, clear best player on that Northwestern team. And then after that, I'm surprised you did not have uh, Casey Tominaga.
1: (laughs) No, I can't get there on a 12th place team, on on a strictly scoring guard. Can't get there.
2: Yeah, so I have Tomi Naga from Nebraska on my second team. I love watching that dude play. Uh, I think just strictly his points per game and how funny he is is going to put him on the second team, which might be a crazy opinion, but that's what I've got.
1: I know and I can see that. It. I, if he averages like transfer. sixteen on like forty-four percent three-point shooting and is like, you know, memed five times, like I could see him on the second team for sure. <laughs>
2: Yeah, so after that, I've got Ace Baldwin from Penn State. Uh, he transfers over with his coach to Penn State. It's not going to be a great team. Uh, I don't think anybody's expecting much from, from them. But kind of like Bowie and Tominaga, he's going to be scoring a lot. He's already a pretty established, great player. So I've got him on my second team. Uh, after that, I've got from Ohio State, the Minnesota Trent Jameson battle. I think he's just... He's really old. Uh, he's pretty old by this point. So I think he's going to be able to lead that Ohio team who should be much improved from last season. I think he should score a lot. He's uh, he's a pretty good threat on offense. He can do a lot on offense. Uh, he can rebound a little bit too. So that's my fourth selection. And then a little bit of a surprise here because I've, I got Indiana right in the middle of my Big Ten predictions. Uh, so I had to throw a player in there. I was kind of between this guy and Xavier Johnson. Uh, but I've got Mackenzie M'Baku. Uh, I think he's a really – he's obviously a really talented freshman. He's a pretty much a consensus five-star. Uh, I would not be surprised if we see him sort of like – I know Jet Howard obviously playing under his dad last year was putting up like 20 shots a game, uh, some games last year, which was absolutely insane. So I, I don't think he's going to be at that level this year, but I would not be surprised if Indiana, Indiana is sort of running their offense through him this year a little bit. And I think that's going to be enough to put him second team possibly. And as for my third team, uh, starting off the third team, I've got A.J. Hogard from Michigan State. Kind of one-two punch with Walker and Hogard. I think he'll pretty easily be an all-Big Ten player. I've got him a bit lower than you on the third team, but – Obviously, really fun to watch, really great player. And then I've got Bruce Thornton from Ohio State. I'm expecting a pretty big leap leap from him this year. He does a lot really well in offense. Uh, He should be running that Ohio State team pretty well. Like I've got them uh, number five in the Big Ten, which is a huge huge leap from last year. I think they were 13. Uh, After Bruce Thornton, I've got another guard, Fletcher Lawyer from uh, Purdue. I think he'll probably be the second option on this Purdue team last year. I know he kind of was last year. But I think that'll be – his role will expand a little bit this, bit this year as a secondary uh, ball handler. He's a pretty good playmaker. He's also a pretty solid shooter. I think all his numbers will improve pretty significant, significantly this year. Uh, fourth, Cliff Marie from Rutgers. He's just, ever since he's been at Rutgers, he's been a really solid. He's just an athletic freak, like they mention it every broadcast, but it's it's true, it's pretty obvious. Just insane dunks. He's the best player on that team by far as well. So I think he'll be third team. And then finally showing a bit of love to the Illini guy, I got Coleman Hawkins. I think I mentioned last podcast episode, I wouldn't be surprised if he's uh, third team all Big Ten. So that's what I've got in my predictions. Just expanded role in offense, elite defender. I think the media, the coaches, the uh, Big Ten media, they'll recognize a little a little bit more this year. Uh, and I've got Coleman Hawkins on my third team.
1: It is crazy how different our second and third teams are because <laughs> it's, and I think it speaks to kind of, you have that top tier of players, the, the star caliber guys, the returning guys. And then there's a lot of unknowns in terms of you know how big is the role of x going to be how big is the role of y going to be how big is yeah it just it's interesting because our, our first team was so similar with one surprise from each of us one kind of boulder pick and i think we have two combined agreements on the second and third team we both have Bowie on the second team and we both have coleman hawkins on our third team that is our agreement on this one Um, I'm with you on that. I think he's going to do enough alongside Terrence, and he's going to be the clear second option on this team. I think he is going to finally be an improved three-point shooter, and he's just—he's shown it already in a couple exhibition games. He's, He's looking to score a little bit more, and I think the counting numbers will be there for him. On an Illinois team, I expect to be towards the top of the conference. I think that'll get Coleman there. As for the other four, we differ again. I'm going Ace Baldwin um, on my third team. I know you had him second team. I just think he's going to be really good. I just think with Penn State, I think he's going to be pretty awful as a team. It's going to be tough for voters to put a a guy on such a bad team. Second team, I think his counting stacks will be worthy, but I think he'll sneak onto the third team instead. I got the other Purdue guard, Braden Smith, on my third team. I think he as a freshman last year he had his struggles especially late in the year kind of ran out of gas and struggled especially um under pressure in the backcourt late in the season had some turnover issues but Overall, I mean, I I know a lot of it in, in Purdue. There, if you play point guard with Zach Eady on the court, you're gonna you're gonna look good. I mean, it's pretty tough to look bad in that situation. But I mean, Braden Smith was an under ranked freshman last year who I thought was pretty darn good for most of the season. Now, as an offseason to improve, and you're playing with Zach Eady, so you're gonna pad those assist numbers. Playing pick and roll with Eady, throwing lobs to Eady. I mean, it's just I, I think he's gonna have the numbers, and I I think he actually may end up being the second leading scorer. I think Fletcher Lawyer could be, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's Braden Smith. Um, I also have uh, Deshaun Harris-Smith. So you had you were high on Mbako as the freshman. I'm going with him as the freshman of the year in the conference with, with Maryland. I think paired next to Jameer Young in the backcourt, he's just super talented, electric scorer. He's going to be one of those like Bryce Sensaba types to me from last year where he's just... A professional level scorer as a freshman. That's what I've seen from from my uh, my time looking through and, and diving into him a little bit. I I think he could have a pretty big year and sneak onto the third team. And then my last pick, uh, I'm going with Khalil Ware from Indiana. I, I I'm gonna bank on the talent there. A former five star guy, Mike Woodson loves playing through big men offensively, and we saw how much Trey had success there in the last couple of years. I think we're gonna see. Kalel be the focal point of Indiana's offense, and I think he has a chance to put up the numbers worthy of being Indiana's All Big Ten representative. But yeah, man, we were we were all over the place on those second couple of teams, so uh, should be should be interesting. I, I'm just I can't wait to watch some Big Ten hoops
2: for sure. Starting off in what is it early December, and then it really picks up early January. Yeah, you got it's those. So much fun to watch every night.
1: Yeah. And, and and all these teams are going to be playing high level non conference games in November, too. I mean, you think about is it uh, is Michigan State in Maui or who's in Maui from Big Purdue, maybe? Is Purdue in Maui? And then I think you have some, uh, Purdue Michigan is somewhere, State somewhere. Yeah. Michigan State's in one of the events. Um, I think Michigan's in Atlantis. Uh, obviously we have the three big non-conference games for Illinois. I mean, it's just, we're going to see all these teams in action. And then, yeah, you mentioned most teams play two games in early December in conference play, and then it really picks up in January. I know Illinois only plays one um, in early December, but college hoops is close. When we're making predictions, conference predictions, it, it means that we're really darn close to college basketball. I can't wait. Any last thoughts for this uh, very long episode two?
2: uh i'm just thankful hunter dickinson has officially moved to own five against illinois 5. in his career that's all i've got to say
1: isn't it just i mean can we talk about too i mean the the foul that he had in the second half i mean what are we doing man that that guy just that guy <laughs> wants to be despised by all of Champaign, illinois he's he's he should have been it should have been a flagrant foul i forget who it was on <laughs> but He's just, I mean, it just he wants to be a heel. He wants to be a villain. We'll see how that goes for him at Kansas. I, I think he's going to be pretty darn good with Bill Self this year. But luckily, Illinois will always have the 5-0 and bragging rights. And again, this one absolutely counts. If Illinois had lost, it wouldn't have, but we're <laughs> counting it now after Illinois wins. Um, that'll do it for us on, uh, on this episode of the Champagne on Ice podcast. Again, make sure to follow our Twitter at champagne on ice we're going to be posting i guess I, I did realize after last week i said twitter a couple times but it's technically x now i think everybody like me still calls it twitter but you know i, I guess i should yeah. be proper and say go follow us on x because that's what we're calling it now <laughs> thank you elon uh at champagne on ice on x slash twitter uh subscribe Field the 68 podcast network youtube Uh, Give us rating review on all the podcast platforms or on Apple Podcasts. We're working to get on Spotify right now. We're having some trouble with that. But for all you Spotify listeners, we're working on it. For now, we're on Apple and Google podcasts. Um, And uh, and yeah, I hope everybody has a great week. We'll be back next Monday, which will be the day that Illinois tips off the regular season. And we will break it all down, do some more preview and may even have a guest join us. So be sure to tune into that one.